Say it. Amen. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible real quick. Remain standing for just a second. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. Isn't it good to be saved? Matthew chapter number 11. I got up this morning and got dressed. I found my boots so I could be like Mark and the boys. <laughs> Find out if you ain't got boots, you ain't nothing around here. <laughs> Amen. Well, I tell you what, I am so glad to be here. It's amazing that, that God has given us the technology to be in two places at the same time, but it's even more fun to be out here hanging with you guys in person. So I'm Tickled that we had the opportunity today to do that. And for those watching online, uh, I hope you are right there in your living room. Uh, it can be a sanctuary just like this sanctuary. We're in some crazy times right now, crazy days. But I'm glad God is the same in the living room, in the sanctuary, down at the creek, up in the tree, out in the boat. It doesn't matter where you are. He said, we're two or three are gathered. I'm going to be there. Amen. Amen. Let's, I want to read just a few verses and then I'll let you sit down. But I want to talk today about the subject discouragement. Discouragement. I, there, there are a lot of times that you preach on something and you hope everybody gets something out of it. You know that somebody needs what you have to say. Well, there's no doubt in my mind without any question, I know every person in this building, you have felt and you have gone through what we're going to talk about today. Do I have a witness? discouragement, discouragement. So let's look in Matthew chapter 11 and we'll begin in verse number one. If you found your spot, say amen one more time. Amen. All right, Shane, you're going to have to take that in case that thing goes off. Tell him I'm busy. Amen. All right. I usually eat my truck and I forgot. I'm sorry. Here we go. Verse one. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when... John. Now, this is John Baptist. Now, we, sometimes you get confused in the Bible because there's a bunch of Marys, right? And, there, and there's different Johns. And John, this John is the one that came before Jesus that was baptizing and pronounced who Jesus was. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. amen. Not John the Apostle, John Baptist. Say that with me. John, John Baptist, all right? Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come... Or do we look for another? Are you sure you're him? Or we need to look for somebody else? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in, in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your blessings and your mercy. Lord, I'm so grateful to be here today. It's such a privilege and an honor. I have thoroughly enjoyed the worship. And Lord, I thank you for everybody who's made it out today. Now, Lord, touch every person. 
Lord, you know who's here. You know what every single person's going through, whether it's a, a financial crisis, whether it's a physical need, uh, whether it's an emotional uh, situation they're dealing with. No matter who's here, I pray that they can leave encouraged and lifted up. I pray your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of set this up a minute before we jump into the outline. Uh, you you got to understand who we're talking about here. John Baptist is one of the greatest characters in the New Testament beside the Lord Jesus. He comes in the power of Elijah. Elijah was probably the greatest character in the Old Testament. And, and we know all about him. Matter of fact, when I was a kid growing up, he was probably my favorite character. How many of y'all went, how many of y'all been in church a long time? Anybody been in church a long time? How many of y'all went to Sunday school when they had the flannel graph deal? Anybody remember the flannel graph deal? Man, y'all got robbed. <clears throat> There's kids today, they don't know what flannel graph is. They've got 3D, you know, HD TVs in their Sunday school classes. But back then, they had a flannel graph board. And they would have a character cut out and put it on there and then tell the story. So if you remember the flannel graph, that's what it is. And man, I could always remember John Baptist. This guy, he comes out the wilderness and he is so bad, he is eating crickets. Say amen. Eats locusts and wild honey, uh, clothing camel's hair and preaching fire and brimstone. I'm talking about hell, fire and brimstone. This is the way John is. He comes out pre preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's telling everybody, repent, repent, repent. He is telling, he is telling the Pharisees that come out. He's called, he called them a generation of vipers. You know what that means? He said, you're a viper, your pappy's a viper and your grandpappy's a viper. That's how, that's how he preached. I mean, he didn't care about anything. He laid it out. And you know what? He was the one that pronounced who Jesus was. If you'll remember, if you'll remember, he was in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness. And when he was in the wilderness, according to, I believe it's John chapter number one, God told him that the person that you see, the dove, descend from heaven and light upon, that's him. You'll know that that is the Messiah. And so y'all know what happened. You remember, he's baptizing there in the Jordan River. And here comes Jesus. Jesus comes out there and he baptizes him. And what happened? The Bible says the spirit of God descended out of heaven and landed upon Jesus. And that was the sign to John Baptist that he was truly the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah. So what does he do? The next day he's coming and this is what he does. He looks at him and he points to, John, or to Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. How many of y'all remember that? In other words, he's saying, that's him. That's the one. That's the one that the prophet spoke about. That's the one that we've been waiting on. That is him. John Baptist confirmed it without question. That's him. Now let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. John gets arrested for preaching and telling like it is. And now he's sitting in prison. Jesus' ministry is beginning to take off. And John's has really ended, technically. And John even said, John even said when some of his disciples begin to follow Jesus, he said, he must decrease, or excuse me, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. But now he's sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison. And this is what happened. Word gets back to him. Look what it says. Look what it says in, I think it's in verse number two. It says in verse two, now when John had what? What's that word? 
heard, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, are you sure you're him? Now this is the same one that sat on the riverbank and said, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He's confirming to everybody, this is Jesus. But now look at him. Are you sure? What's happened? John is in a place of discouragement. What in the world? What in the world would make a man who was so confident, who was so powerful, and according to Scripture, he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. What would cause a man like this who came and preached and did not care what the Pharisees thought to say, are you sure you're him? Are you sure you're him? Well, I believe he was discouraged. Now, how many of y'all would agree there's sometimes in your life that there's times you're on a mountaintop and there's times you can't even see out of the valley. Now, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Let's, three things, real quick, three things. When it comes to the subject of discouragement, first of all, let's look at the place of discouragement. I want you to see the place of discouragement. The Bible says when John was shut up in the, where was he at? In the prison. In the prison. It's a place of confinement. Write that down. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's a place of confinement. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, there's some country boys in here. You'll, you'll appreciate this and you'll understand. John came out of the wilderness. He came up in the wilderness. He lived the majority of his time. And by the way, I've been to the wilderness that he was at. And brother, let me tell you, it's wilderness. It is sand, rocks, and that's it. There is nothing out there. And this is where he came. He was an outdoorsman. He, 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 this was his point. Can you imagine, can you imagine taking someone like that and confining him to a prison cell? It's a place of confinement. Now, how do we apply that? How do we apply that to us today? How many of you ever been in a place in your life when, and I pardon the pun, but John's hands were tied where he couldn't do anything to change his situation? He couldn't do anything to fix his situation. He is in a place where he's totally helpless. I'm telling you, I have seen family members right now dealing with COVID and they will take their family members to the hospital and they can't go in there and they can't be with him. And that is more frustrating than the COVID itself. And I have seen him weep and cry and, and tell me it's just killing them because they feel so helpless. I've seen parents, I've seen parents who cried and begged over their children who had gone astray. And they said, preacher, it is terrible. We don't know what to do. We feel so helpless. And man, I'm telling you, when God puts you in a situation where there's nothing you can do, how many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea? Here they are, they've got the Red Sea in front of them and, and Pharaoh and his army coming back behind them. And you know what God said? Be still. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's bad advice to me. How many of y'all would agree with me that the hardest thing to do is Nothing. I mean, I'm a fixer. I'm a fixer. I want to. I want to do something, man. I want to get my hands on. Tell. I got. I got to do something. I can't just sit here and not do nothing. I got to do something. And 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 that don't work well in marriage either. Because <clears throat> my wife will tell me something, and I mean, she pours her heart out to me, and I'll and, and I'll, I'll I'll start. Okay, number one, here, Tammy, this is what you need to do. Are you ready to write this down? And she looks at me. And, 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 and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to tell you what to do about it. She said, I don't want you to tell me what to do about it. I said, then why did you tell me? I want to fix it. I want to fix it. 
Are y'all with me? Come on. Husbands are afraid to nod. Yeah, I know what that means. But sometimes in your life, God will put you in a situation where you're sitting there and you can't do anything but trust him. When it comes to your children, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your, your physical health, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Would you agree with me that that's a place of discouragement? Man, it gets discouraging. So we see the place of discouragement. It's a place of confinement where you just can't do anything. God's got your hands tied. You just got to wait on him. But not only a place of confinement, but here's, here's a biggie. It was a place of confusion. Write that down. It was a place of confusion. You say, preacher, what do you mean confusion? The Bible says, the Bible says, when John, what? Heard. What did he hear? What did he hear? According to scripture, it says that John heard the works of Christ. Now, why in the world, why in the world would hearing the works of Christ cause you to doubt who he is? Y'all with me? Why, why would hearing what he's doing? Because you remember just, just a little while before that, he proclaimed, this is him. He proclaimed the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. This is the one we've been waiting on, right? But now when he heard what Jesus was doing, he said, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I wonder what he heard. I wonder what he heard. Now keep in mind, keep in mind the way John was when he came. Remember? Hellfire and brimstone, turn or burn, repent. For the kingdom of God's a hand. Some of y'all, if you don't get right, you're going to hell. You're a bunch of vipers and a, and a generation of vipers. That's, that's him. But what did Jesus do? He came and he sat with sinners. What did Jesus do? A woman come in the, caught in the very act of adultery and they cast him. And he says, woman, I don't condemn thee. Where are thy, where are thine accusers? And they said, there are none. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine as that got back to John? He's sitting with who? He, he, is, he is eating with who? Sinners? What in the world? He did what? Come on. What's my point? How many times in your life has you thought God was going to turn right and he turned left on you? You thought God was going to answer a certain prayer a certain way and you just knew it was going to happen and God didn't do it like you thought he would. And now you're thinking he don't love me. Now you're thinking, well, this, is, this must be all a sham. You see, John wasn't the first person that felt that way. How many of y'all remember Elijah in the Old Testament? Y'all remember Elijah in the Old Testament? The one that John came in the spirit of? Elijah, the most powerful prophet in the Old Testament? You remember, he went, to, he went to Mount Carmel. I've been there too. I've been there too. Mount Carmel, he's up there, and he faces all by himself. All by himself, 850 false prophets. Y'all remember when he called the, 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 the contest? And he says, listen, I want, you to put, I want you to put an animal on this altar and you call on the Baal. Because you remember he, told, he asked the, 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 the Israelites, he said, if God be God, then worship him. If Baal be God, then worship him. And they answered him not a word. Can you imagine but he says, I tell you what, we're going to have a contest. And they have it, and they uh, Baal, the, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, they jumped around, carried on, nothing happened. Y'all know the story. Y'all know what happens. 
Then he comes and prays to God, fixes the altar, repairs the altar, puts the sacrifice there, pours the water on it, calls to God, and God sends a flame. He consumes the sacrifice. They have great revival. They killed all them prophets, made a nonprofit organization out of them. (laughs) Say amen. I mean, one man had all that courage and all that excitement. And man, he had all that trust in God. And he tells Ahab, listen, because you remember there was a famine because there hadn't been no rain three years, remember? Three and a half years. And so he sends Ahab home and he says, listen, there's rain coming. It's going to be revival. And in his mind, because of what happened on Mount Carmel, that the king is going to trust in God now. The king is going to turn the kingdom around. Everything's going to be great. This is going to be good. And he, (coughs) think about this, he out runs the chariot back to the palace. But guess what? Jezebel was waiting at the palace. And she said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill you just like you did my prophets. And the Bible says Elijah ran for his life. He had in a, listen, to the point he wanted to commit suicide. He said, I don't even want to live anymore. Now think about that. He faced 850 prophets and one woman put him on the run. (laughs) You say, what is that about? You see, when he was up on the mountain, God answered with fire. Something huge, magnificent, powerful. But when he got to the palace... You know what he was expecting? He was expecting the fire again. He was expecting God to move in a powerful way again. He was expecting everything to be great and wonderful. But you see, God didn't do it. He didn't do it. The palace is what he did up on the mountain. Now watch this. Let me fast forward a little bit. How many of y'all remember that God came to the cave with to Elijah? You remember? He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You remember he came with the wind and he came, yeah, all three of those different situations. And the Bible says God wasn't in any of those things. But what was God in? The still, small voice. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that just because God don't do in the palace or in the cave what he did on the mountain don't mean he ain't still God. And because God didn't answer the prayer that you asked today like the prayer that you asked a few months ago or a few years ago or God didn't move today like he, you have seen him move before doesn't mean he's not still God. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, when God does something we, we don't understand or God does something different than what we expect, it's discouraging. When I came to temple back in 99, October 99, or the church in, in, in uh, I pastored Long Branch Baptist Church in Barnwell, South Carolina. That's where Matt Dillon goes to church. Amen. It was amazing. God, people were being saved, and, 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 and it was like the, the church looked like a, a little house on the prairie church. It was just the coolest thing in the world. It was there during the Civil War. I mean, it was amazing. It had a little balcony in it. We filled it up, and God says, it's time to go. I'm like, now? It's time to go. And so God brought me to Coleman, Alabama. And guess what? I was preaching the same way, out of the same Bible, as hard as I could, singing the same songs, out the same hymnal, 
that was happening over there. And over there, it seemed like revival every week. It seemed like people were getting saved right and left. And when I came here, it was like I was preaching to that wall. I'm telling you, you have no idea how discouraging that was. I got so frustrated. I got so frustrated because I was doing the same thing. What was I doing? I was doing the same thing like Elijah. I was expecting God to do in Coleman what he did in Barnwood. But you see, God had a different plan. One particular day, one particular day, we had a visitor come. We had a visitor come. I mean, it was just, it was getting so bad. I was ready to quit. I, I was ready to give up, move back to Florida. And, and, and we had a visiting family come, a, a lady and her daughter and son. And they came to Sunday school. And at the time, I was going through the book of Daniel. And if you understand the book of Daniel, it's like the Old Testament equivalent to Revelation. So if you come halfway through, you're confused and you don't know what's going on, right? And so here I am teaching and they're there. And I was just so excited. We finally got first-time attenders. This is wonderful. I don't know why I did this to this day. I'm telling you, she should have ran out the building screaming. But I went up to her right after her. I said, ma'am, I'll come to your house and catch you up if you'll come back. <laughs> just like that. And now I think about it and said, you, are you crazy? And she said, okay. So, here, man, this is great. So I'm going, I'm going on a Tuesday, a Tuesday evening, going to go to their house and teach them the first few chapters of Daniel because we was already like in chapter five or six. And, 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 and so I knock on the door, y'all ain't going to believe it. When I opened that door, the whole room was full of people. I'm, and y'all got to understand, I'm scared of people. I am very shy by nature. And I see that, and they had a circle, big old circle of people, and, 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 and a chair right in the middle. I'm like, oh, no, that's going to be mine. I know it. I know it. Just sure enough, that's where they wanted me to sit. But on the way there, how many of y'all have ever had a really great Sunday and a really horrible Monday? Seemed like you could just walk on water on Sunday and the devil punched you in the mouth on Monday morning. That's what I had. I mean, I was so excited because we had this first time attending and I was so excited we got visitors and they're going to let me come and, and, and catch him up and they're going to come back. This is wonderful. And everything in the world went wrong between then and the meeting. And I remember being so discouraged going to their house that night and I was thinking, I just got, fr I know y'all never do this. Y'all more spiritual than I am, but I just said, God, would you just save somebody? Because I, I wanted him to do what he did in Barnwell here. And I just forgot about it. I go in and, and I'm sitting there and I'm, 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 teaching, I'm teaching the lessons on Daniel and everybody's sitting there staring at me. And, 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 and then all of a sudden when I'm through, I, I was doing a series on the Holy Spirit. So I said, I'm going to try to hit him up for Wednesday. So I started sharing about the series we were doing on Wednesday night about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will draw you to Jesus and convict you of sin for salvation. And all of a sudden, the, the young man, he's about 11 years old, raised his hand. And I thought, how rude. I'm right in the middle of teaching here. I said, son, you got a question? He said, yeah. He said, can I get saved right now? Well, I guess you can. And, and we got down there right in the floor of that living room, got on our knees, and, and man, he prayed and asked God to save him. It was great. It was great. And we got up, and, 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 the, and the, the guy sitting right next to him is named Chip. Chip Bell still goes to church. Chip Bell was sitting there, and God says, ask him. And I was thinking, let's don't push it. We got one, Lord. Amen. We, I was still nervous. And he said, ask him. And I said, Chip, what, what's your story? He starts crying. 
Chip starts crying and, and says, I was a Catholic altar boy and I've never understood what being saved meant. And I said, do you need to get saved? She said, yeah, I need to get saved. We bowed again. Right then, got on our knees and asked God to save him. And God says, ask her. This is Amanda sitting beside Chip. I'm ready now. How about you? <laughs> sure enough, she starts crying. We get down again on the floor. And she begs God to save her. Three of them got saved that night. I mean, it's like late, late now in the night. And I'm driving home and I'm so excited. And I called Tammy. She wasn't as thrilled about it. <laughs> I woke her up. Amen. She's not spiritual at all. <laughs> and on the way home, I, it was like God just got in the seat beside me. He said, you remember what you asked me? Boy, I felt so ashamed. I said, yeah, Lord, I asked you to save somebody. He said, you do your part, and I'll do mine. And from that point, people started getting saved. The church started growing. It was unbelievable. You know what God had to show me? It wasn't my preaching style. It wasn't the outlines. It wasn't the hymnal. It wasn't because we were singing the same songs. It's all about him. It's all about him. And sometimes God has to do things different so we can see it's not the prayer we pray, it's the person we pray to. And all God's people see it. Amen. How many of y'all would agree, though, those places of confusion are real discouraging? How many of y'all remember Peter? Remember, remember the apostle Peter? And Jesus, Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. Oh, no, I'm not going to deny you. Everybody else is going to deny you. I'm not going to deny you. He goes into the garden of Gethsemane with him the night he's arrested. And you know what? You remember what he did? He cut the servant's ear off. You remember? Malchus, he cut the servant's ear off. And, and, and Jesus reaches down and picks up the ear and puts it back on him, heals him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I'd have been in Roman soldiers, I'd have left him alone. Say amen. <laughs> and then he turns to Peter. He said, put your sword up. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. Do you realize Peter was the only one that risked his life? And by the way, if Jesus hadn't healed that servant, they'd have killed Peter on the spot. But he turns around. Think about this. You're the only one out of all the disciples that risked your life to, to rescue Jesus and you get chewed out. How many of y'all know you'd be confused? So how do you know Peter was confused? You remember what happened after that? You know what he said? I know not the man. He denied him three times. I don't think he denied him because he truly was a bad person. I truly believe that Peter loved the Lord and he was confused. Number one, he didn't understand why the Messiah, the one supposed to rescue us from all this, is given up and turning himself in. I don't understand why he's chewing me out. I tried to save his life. Peter was confused. And because of that, he was discouraged. And I'm telling you, there's been times in my life when I didn't understand what God was doing or why God was doing it. I was doing the best that I could. I was doing all that I knew to do. And it seemed like nothing worked the way I asked God for it to work. Do I have a witness it's a place of discouragement. Listen, that place of confinement, a place of confusion. But look at this. Look at the 
product of, and I'm going to go fast. I didn't spend too much time there, but the product of discouragement. What does discouragement do in our life? It produces, first thing, write this down, it produces doubt. What did he say? He says, go tell him, art thou he? Say that with me. Now, he is saying to the one who he already proclaimed, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Right? Y'all with me? Isn't that what he said? But now he's saying, are you sure you're the one? Are you sure you're the one? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. I've been in church my whole life, my whole life. My dad was a preacher. Y'all met him several times. But there is nothing in this world that will cause you to doubt God more than getting discouraged. You'll doubt his love for you. You'll doubt his care for you. How many of y'all remember the disciples in the, in the boat in the storm? They thought they were going to die. And, and you know what they, you know what was the first thing they said to Jesus? They woke Jesus up and the first thing they said, don't you care? Carest thou not that we perish? And I've seen so many people, good people, good people. There was none greater born of John the Baptist, I'm telling you. But when you get discouraged, when God doesn't do what you thought he was going to do, when God doesn't move like you thought he was going to move, when things in life don't turn out like you thought they were going to turn out, man, you had dreams and you had desires and you had plans and none of it seemed to work out and everything seemed to be bad. You begin to wonder, really? Are you sure? Art thou he? Doubt. I hate to say it, but there's been many times in my Christian walk that I had to deal with doubt. Does he care? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I tried my best to live right and I seen other people living wrong, it seemed like their lives were turning out better than mine. I doubt, is it worth it? I mean, is it really worth it to serve God? Everything bad happened to me and this person over here is living like a heathen. Everything good happened. Come on now, am I the only one? But when you get discouraged, it'll produce doubt. But not only that, he said, art thou he, what's the next verse or the next part of that verse? Art thou he or, what does it say? Do we look for another? Do we look for another? Do you know what discouragement will cause in your life? It'll not only cause doubt, but it'll cause you to look for a detour. It'll cause you to look for a detour. Stuff will go bad about church. Well, we'll just go to another church that ain't got problems. Good luck with that. I'm going to go to that church with all perfect people. Well, you ruined it when you showed up. You know, the only church with perfect people is the one with no people in it because we're all imperfect. We all have issues. We all have problems. Oh, oh, I'm just going to get me a, a wife. I'm going to get me a better one. Things going bad. You get discouraged in your marriage. Well, I'm just going to get me a better one. Well, that's brilliant. Now you're going to have to pay for two of them. Come on. Don't look at me that way. You know how people are today. Instead of fixing something, we'll just go get another one. I'm going to just leave this church. It's got problems. I'm going to leave this friendship. And I'm gonna, 
listen, there's problems in every church. There's problems in every marriage. There's problems in every relationship. The great marriages and the great relationships are not the ones without problems. It's the ones that's learned to resolve conflict. But boy, when you get discouraged, you just want to run. You just want to hide. You just want to get away. Are you sure you're him? He's doubting. He's doubting who Jesus is. He's doubting everything about him. There's no way this can be him if he's doing what they're saying he's doing. Maybe we need to look for another. Man, the devil will tell you it's brighter on the other side. The devil will tell you it's greener on the other side. That's because it's over the septic tank. Say amen. amen. Listen, it's not no better over there. She's no better than the one you got. He's no better than the one you got. Listen, the church you're in, don't leave to our better one. Make the one you're in better. But I'm going to tell you, discouragement will cause you to do some crazy stuff. Say amen. It'll cause you to think some crazy things. It'll cause you to go from a mountaintop experience where you're facing the world with courage and fearlessness and you face 850 prophets of Baal to the point that you're running from one wicked, wicked woman hiding in a cave asking God to kill you. Discouragement's a powerful thing. Sometimes people, people, anyway, anyway, I'm not going to go there. We'll run that rabbit too long. What do we do about it? What do we do when we get discouraged? What do we do when God doesn't do things like we thought he was going to? What happens next? Let me give you the third one. Let me give you the third one. What's the prescription for discouragement? What's the prescription for discouragement? Let's read it. I'm almost done. Went over time just a little bit, but it's all right. It's all right. Here we go. Look what it says in verse 4. Look what it says in verse 4. When you get there, say amen. amen. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John. What's the next word? Amen. Say it again. Amen. Say it again. Right, one more time. Amen. Like you mean it. Again. 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 What does again mean? In the Greek, it means again. <laughs> if you say it one time and you say it again, it means you just do it again. And again, and again, and again. He said, go show John again. In other words, it's something that he's already witnessed. It's something that he already knew. It's something that he had already seen. And if you look in Luke, you, if you look in Luke, the gospel says that while those disciples were there, while those servants were there, he healed somebody. And he healed another person. And I, I kind of picture in my head like this. That this is the way, this is the way that, that Jesus did it. He come up to the blind man and he healed the blind man and said, go show John that. He walks up to the lame man and he heals the lame man. Go show John that right there. And he, walk, and he goes from one to the other to the other and says, go show John again. So what do we do when we get discouraged? We have to rehearse the past works of God. We have to go over again and again and again and again what God has already done, the blessings he's already given, the prayers that he's already prayed, the things over and over and over again, what God has already done in your life. Somebody say amen. 
Everybody should have a paper. Everybody should have a journal. Everybody should have a record of the blessings and the answers to prayer that God has already done. So you know if God did it then, bless God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God can do it again. Be careful for nothing. Careful means anxious, anxiety, worry. It says don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, with, make your request known unto God. In other words, before you ask, be thankful for what he's already done. Why do you think that's in there? Why do you think he tells you before you ask what you need, thank him for what he's already done? It gives you confidence that if God did it yesterday, he can do it and he'll do it. Somebody say amen. Go over again. Tell John again about the blinded eyes that are seeing. Tell John again about the lame legs that are walking. Tell God, listen, tell John again about the ears that are being opened up, the mutes that are talking and praising God now. Go tell John again. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat in my office in tears and had to force myself to rehearse what God has done already because the place I was in was a place of stillness God had my hands tied and I couldn't do anything but wait on him and trust him and I had to go over in my mind over and over again the times that God has blessed the time that God has answered the time that God has showed up right on time and if he can do it yesterday he can do it today how many of y'all God's blessed before come on raise your hand how many of y'all God's answered prayers before in an incredible way? Raise your hand. See there. You've got something that you can repeat again. Let me tell you this one story. Now <clears throat> I gotta hurry. When I was a kid growing up, when I was a kid growing up, uh, I grew up in church, y'all remember, and, and we had a Christmas pageant every year. We had a Christmas pageant. Did anybody grow up in church and have one of them Christmas pageants? You know, you, you read Luke 2 every time. You know, I mean, you just got to go through it. And you have Jesus. I've, I've been Jesus in the manger. I've been Jesus, 12-year-old, confounded wise in the temple. I've been Jesus on the cross. I've been mules, donkeys, and sheep. Say amen. <laughs> I've been it all every year. We was in a Christmas pageant. And my mom's mom, my mom's mom, my grandmother, she would only come to church. She would only come to church at, on the Christmas pageant to see all her grandkids. There was my cousins and everybody. We was all in the Christmas pageant. And she would come to watch her grandchildren in the Christmas pageant. And every year, no matter what I was, I was praying for grandma to get saved. I mean, every year as a little bitty, little, little bitty person, all the way up, I was praying that grandma would get saved. Every year, I just knew it. I just knew it. This is the year grandma's going to get saved. I just knew it. And every year she'd go right back out the door. And man, as you grow up, and I got to become a teenager, I surrendered to preach and I was 17 years old. And I, I'm ashamed to say it, but sometimes, sometimes the older you get, the less childlike faith you have. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When I was a kid, that was it. She's going to get saved this year. I mean, I had childlike faith. It was, and now that I'm, I've surrendered to preach, and, 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 and I would come. And y'all remember my dad, he's old-fashioned as cornbread. I'm telling you, he just, he, this is the way he said, when I, when I surrendered to preach, I, 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 he said, well, son, you need to make it public before the church. I said, in front of everybody? I'm telling you, I'm terrified of people. He said, yeah, you got to do it. You got to stand in front of everybody and tell them God's call on your life. 
I said, Dad, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of nervous. I don't like getting in front of people. He said, well, no problem. You just stand beside me, and I'll tell them everything. I said, deal. So we get there that Sunday night, and I come forward, and I'm standing beside him. He's got his arm around me, and he lied like a dog. In the invitation, he says, Malcolm's got something he wants to say. I almost said, no, I don't either. And I, I, I surrendered to preach that Sunday night. And this is what my dad told me. He said, all right, son, be ready this coming Wednesday. I said, what? My dad, he, he just believed that the only way to do it is just get in there and do it. The only way you're going to learn. I mean, he, he was the one that threw you in the pool so you'd learn how to swim. And so he made me preach every Wednesday night all the way till I went to Bible college. Every Wednesday night. And I would come up here and I would sit right there on the front and he'd come up and he'd lead the service and do everything. And when it come time to preach, I'd come up and I'd be shaking. I'd have my little outline and, and I'd, it lasted three or four minutes and I'd go back to times of change. <laughs> Amen. And, 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 and I was so nervous. Well, one Wednesday night, he said, he said, all right, son, me and your mama's going, we're going to take a little few days off. We're going to Cocoa Beach. You got the whole service. I said, the whole what? The, everything? He said, yep, you got to lead the whole service. I said, invitation to? He said, everything. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I'm terrified now. And so I come up, I remember, and I remember to this day, just like it was, I was standing behind the pulpit, and I was trying to shuffle my notes together, and I looked up. And y'all ain't going to believe who come through the door. My grandmother. I mean, just, and now I'm really scared. I mean, I'm terrified. She comes in and sits down. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And I done seen my dad do it a million times. So I, I, knew, I knew what to do. <clears throat> and so after the little message, and I remember the message. It was what you'll see when you see heaven. It was, it was just a real short little message about heaven. And I come around, and I came down here on the, on the, on the bottom step because I'd seen my dad do it a million times. He'd come and he would invite people to come to Jesus. If you need to get saved, you come. If you need uh, prayer, you come. And so this is what I did. If you need to get saved, I was so scared I wouldn't even look up. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't even look up. I'd say, if you need to come to be saved, if you need to come, you just come forward. And inside I was thinking, please don't nobody come down here. And all of a sudden, there was feet at my feet. And I looked up, and my grandmother was standing right in front of me. It scared me so bad, this is what I said. What do you want? <laughs> God is my witness. That's exactly what I said. I said, what do you want? She said, I want to get saved. I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't remember the Romans Road, Romans 3.23, 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9. I couldn't remember nothing. The only thing that came to my mind was John 3.16. I said, Grandma, Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, she quoted the rest. I said, that's all you need to know. Let's pray. And she prayed and asked God to save her after the church service. I ran home and I called Dad. I said, Dad, Grandma came forward and got saved, but I don't know if it took. You better call and see, you know? <laughs> She never missed another service. She's in heaven right now walking the street of gold because what God did on that Wednesday night when hardly nobody shows up to church. You know what I do when I get discouraged? When I get down, I think God don't care and God don't hear my prayer that I prayed for 17 years. I think about that night. 
And I think, God, why am I doubting you now? After every prayer, after every move of God, after every time you showed up right on time, I wished I had time on the clock to tell you the things over and over and over that God has answered and God has blessed. And I would encourage everybody in here, write it down. Every answer to prayer, write it down. Every move of God, write it down. Every time God showed up right on time, write it down because there's going to be dark days in your life where you're going to have to pull that book out and read it again and read it again and read it again. God, I know you can because you did it here and I know you can because you did it there. Oh, God, do it again. He said, go show John again. Go show John again. He said, preacher, how do we get out of discouragement? Rehearse the past works. Go over again what he's already done. Then lastly, remember his present words. Remember his present words. What did he say? Now keep in mind, there's a bunch of religious people out here. And they just heard John Baptist doubt God. Now if it was Baptist, this is what they'd do. Well, I knew it. All that preaching down by the river, now he's saying, come on. You know how church people are. Let somebody get discouraged. See how fast we jump on each other. Mm-hmm. But what does Jesus do? He was the one that was really, should have been offended. What do you mean, am I he? Have you lost your mind? Don't you remember the dove? Don't you remember the things that I've done? That's not what he did, though. He turns around to the crowd that heard, and he took up for John. He defended John. If you'll read it, he says, did you? When you went out to hear him, did you think he was going out to hear somebody in soft raiment? What basically translated Alabama? Do you, you think he was going out to hear a sissy? John ain't no sissy. Let me tell you something. There ain't nobody born of woman greater than John Baptist. Preacher, what am I saying? This, I'm, I'm just simply telling you this. When you get discouraged, everybody look at me. I'm done right here. This is over with. We fixed to pray. When you get discouraged, there is nobody that has your back like your Lord Jesus. When Jesus could have criticized him and condemned him, you know what he said? He's the greatest. He's the greatest. I can imagine as those servants got back to John in that prison, I can imagine as they got back and said, John, you ain't going to believe what we saw. John, you ain't going to believe what he did. What'd he do? What'd he do? He's, let me tell you, he touched a blind man and he could see again. He touched a lame man. He was telling John all oh, that. Boy, John started feeling better about the situation. You know, he's going to the executioner. You know, he's fixing to have his head cut off. And in the middle of it all, he said, but that ain't all, John. That ain't all? No, that ain't all. You ain't going to believe what he said about you. He said, John, you're the greatest. 
Can you imagine how John felt? I'm here to tell all you in here, you don't know this or you should know this. Sometimes the devil makes us forget this. But do you realize if there's a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on it? That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. He doesn't get down on you when you get down on yourself. Sometimes when we get down on ourselves, we think everybody's down on us. But I'm telling you, there's nothing you can do or say for Jesus to get down on you. When the world is against you and nobody's for you, never, ever doubt that Jesus has got your back. And all God's people say it.